what's up everyone welcome to the week here at the parking lot today it's going to be kyle and logan talking a little bit just doing a little preview of the draft preview of the off season kind of some love and hate names that we like that's coming up so yeah let's jump in Welcome to the parking lot, episode five. Got myself and Logan here today. What's up, guys? Just two of us holding it down. Um, yeah, what are we talking about today, Logan? We're, we're kind of previewing a little bit of free agency, yeah. Yeah, I think we kind of want to just kind of start. You know, we're gonna get into you know like our big boards. You know, we're gonna go into like team needs. We're gonna go into the draft. We're gonna go into probably like the most like exciting players. But I think today, you know, a little more cash, you know, but just trying to just look at some of the names that kind of excite us here in the offseason. And it's exciting to have the offseason. Like, it feels weird because the season just ended. And we've said it before, (laughs) but Suns fans, like the offseason has always been like our regular season. So like the offseason is exciting. And I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine recently about the finals when Goran and Bam got hurt. He was like really down on like the series and kind of like making some comments about the playoffs in general. And I'm like, hold the phone. Like the playoffs were incredible. I I think we were spoiled. I think we forget kind of how long it stretched. Like the bubble run, like predated like the playoffs even starting. So like the sun's going eight and no, all these narratives, like even like Dame going absolutely insane for a few weeks. Like, and then the Jamal Donovan Mitchell battles. That was like first round. I mean, it got, we just kind of forget how really quality these playoffs were. And so it was a treat. Like, I, I think that we were spoiled. We were treated to some, to some incredible performances. Yeah. Tons of I, I think games. this might've been one of like my favorite, just overall playoff runs like yeah. in a long time. Um, Cause I, and I think it was interesting. Cause like, I think people expected like, you know, the Lakers to, to go to the finals, you know, but they thought, Oh, it might go run. They might have to like run to the Clippers to get there though. Yeah. And like people were like, maybe Milwaukee, maybe Toronto. And then you have Miami out of nowhere from fifth, like from the fifth seed coming up to, to like, to go to the finals. Like it was, you know, in the last few years, I feel like for the most part, it's been, yeah, you can kind of see it's golden state or, you know, and before that was like yeah. Cleveland's going, you kind of knew. And so you were almost just like, kids get through the playoffs so we can get to the finals. I felt like this year, it was very much, oh my, like, you know, Lakers were probably preferred. But like, it was pretty much anyone's game in the East. And even right. then, like, even Lakers did really well. But, like, the way that Denver was playing, a lot of people expected the Clippers to go a little bit further. So, like, I felt it was such a good run in the playoffs. And we just had so many memorable games and shots yeah. and battles that were just incredible. And I think it sets up really, really now, really, really well for next year because you have obviously your powerhouses and really in both conferences, like Miami established himself as a powerhouse. I mean, the Nuggets kind of established themselves as a bit of a powerhouse, like especially in the playoffs, like nobody wants to run into either of those teams next year in the playoffs. And those are kind of thought about as maybe easier matchups earlier in the year. Like was anyone really worried about Denver or, I mean, Miami, always had a little bit of respect, but not to this level. And so I think right. with Golden State coming back in the picture, Brooklyn coming back into the picture, all of a sudden you have like three or four teams from each conference that I feel like have a legitimate argument that could come out of that conference and represent that conference. So I think Absolutely. it sets up really, really nicely for next year. And I mean, it rolls right into what we're talking about with free agency. 
because if one of these teams that are on the precipice and have like shown those flashes, if they land one of these, I, I know it's not a, a super, super premier free agency as compared to like 2021, but if you can land one of these top guys, like if Denver can get one of the top six or seven free agents, clear up some cap, you know, like that's, that's significant. If they can swap a guy like Paul Millsap for like a, you know, a pretty clear upgrade. I mean, that, that kind of pushes the needle a little bit and like really changes the landscape going into next season. So um, do you have any guys that like jump off the page to you right away on that free agency list? I know there's restricted some guys, obviously Anthony Davis came out, like he's going to resign with the Lakers There's some players yeah. like that, but. Um, well, I think what's really interesting is I think currently some of the biggest names that are being talked about aren't even like, free agents i feel like a lot of the names that are getting thrown around are like you know like you hear like chris paul or like some of these other yeah. guys where it's more like hey, it's like, yeah, like, like guys who are yeah exactly you know guys who are already on a team but are looking to leave um so it's i think the that's the new norm been, right like it's right. we just expect that every off season yeah so i think because like for me like as i try to look at the list of like free agents i feel like none of them are the big names that are being talked about, you know, I mean, even guys like Bradley Beal, who like there has been no indication that the wizards are looking to sell Bradley Beal or that he wants out, but he's still one of the biggest names being talked about right now. Um, I don't want to hear the Lakers trying to make pitches for Bradley Beal. Oh, like no. they have half the assets to make that work. <laughs> these, <laughs> these stupid trades on Twitter. Where, where it's, it's like, like Danny Green, Alex Danny Green, we'll give you Kuzma. Like, I guess we'll let go of Kuzma and we'll give you our like late first round pick for Bradley <laughs> like, Beal. Like, yeah, Bradley that's Beal. not going to happen. <laughs> um, so I think one that, and this is, this, I think this is one that, especially as like a Phoenix fan that I'm really high on is Jeremy Grant. Um, yeah, let's talk about Jeremy Grant because I think. He played so well down the stretch in the bubble. He made himself a good chunk of money this offseason. We don't know what the cap's going to look like exactly, but I'm sure Denver wants to bring him back. It's just yeah. it's so interesting like where that number is going to be. Yeah, I think for Jeremy Grant, it's he, he like he, you're you're exactly you know you're absolutely right like he, he played so well in the playoffs that he's definitely you know earned himself a big paycheck and so he's kind of got like the question of you know because I feel like Denver's gonna have to spend quite a bit in order to keep him and you know but then you talked about like hey if they move if they can move off Paul Millsap can they like move the needle a little bit elsewhere so it's like is Jeremy Grant that guy and then you just go kind of get like a smaller name or do they try to like go bigger into like one of these guys that might be you know available for a trade or something um, but you know, as like, as like a Phoenix fan, like he's a name that I'm super interested in just because of what he, you know, could be, because I think that he's got a ton of potential. He's a great, great defensive player. I mean, he was guarding LeBron and Anthony Davis when they yeah. played against LA and he's, he's young enough and like, he, he's going to earn himself a good paycheck, but not like max money. So he's, he's a good name to go after. That's going to cost you a little bit, but not like. You know, you don't have to sell the farm to go get him. For sure. So I listened to a podcast this week, and they it was a Phoenix-based podcast. And so they were comparing um, Jer- Jeremy Grant to Kelly Oubre. Um, interesting. I, it, is, it is a really interesting comparison because length-wise, height-wise, weight-wise, like, they're almost identical. They both have over seven-foot wingspans. 
I think Kelly's six seven, Jeremy's six eight. Um, they have slightly different styles. Like Jeremy Grant's a little more of a role player, while Kelly's a little more ball dominant. So they're not mm-hmm. exactly the same player, but measurables like they really match up similarly. Um, and it was just interesting breaking him breaking him down side by side. And I could probably do this with a couple players in the league, not just Kelly Oubre, but like it's always hard coming out of an off season, especially when someone played well in the playoffs to really like gauge that value. Like um, who was the center that Orlando signed for huge money? Um, No, 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 no. Um, Biombo Bismack. He had a playoff run and they paid that guy way too much money. And he's like the classic example of like overpaying a guy who had like a nice run in the playoffs, but sometimes those runs are a couple games. And so like when you really break down Jeremy Grant's game versus Kelly Oubre's game, like they bring different strengths to the table. Like I think Jeremy's probably a better defender, but like Kelly can kind of get you a bucket in a big situation, maybe more readily than Jeremy Grant can. So like, but a guy like Jeremy Grant, like his value right now is super, super high. And I'm not saying like Kelly's not a free agent, but I'm curious if he was a free agent, if they lined up, like, because Kelly didn't would go bubble, for more, you know what I mean? Like it's just the way guys trend. And so I, I don't know. I, I love Jeremy Grant. I was, I think, probably even higher on him before he blew up in the bubble because I felt like he was probably a little undervalued and he could get him for maybe a little bit less money. And I yeah. think he played so well. I'm not sure I want to pay that guy like 17 a year. That's what it gets to. You know what I mean? If he earned himself a really big deal, I'm not sure I want to go that high just because I'm not sure if he brings that much value to a team. Right. Um no, I, I definitely agree. Um, um, yeah, so what about you? Like, who else, like, if you're so, looking at, like, you're, like, who, like, who's, like, the biggest free agent signing that, like, you see happening, like, this offseason? I season? mean, I think Fred Van Fleet, like, I know you're a big Fred Van Fleet fan. And I love oh, yeah. the guy, too. I think he, he's 26 years old. Like, I, I feel like he, we've seen him in the playoffs for so long with Toronto that he has this, like, 32-year-old veteran kind of, like, feel to him. But the guy is young. Like, he's just entering his prime. Um, I, I think he will move the needle, like, massively for a team. But I think yeah. the most – I don't know if they have higher impacts necessarily, but I think the most coveted guys are going to be Joe Harris, Danilo Gallinari, Davis Bertans, and probably Bertans is the top of that list, given his age and production and everything. But those mm-hmm. are the guys that can really, 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 I think, take a team from, like, a good team to, like, a really high ceiling, like a league team. Can you imagine right. if Miami, for example, there's the big Miami Gallinari rumors. I mean, he almost got dealt there at the deadline. Um, imagine if a team like Denver, for example, lets Jeremy Grant walk, but then signs Davis Bertans. Like, that's a huge pickup and, like, a massive shooting boost. Um, those guys in a playoff series, like, can swing games just with their, like – three-point volume and mm-hmm. just enough. I mean, they're guys that can knock down six, seven threes in a game on any given night. So I think they're going to be like the most lucrative pieces for good teams to take them to the next level to great teams. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. So I was listening to a pod earlier that they were talking about, does this last playoff run change the game a little bit? Basically what they were talking about was – how if you're in the West, like at some point you're going to have to go through Anthony Davis or Jokic, 
you know, or if you're in the East, it's like, okay, you got to go through Giannis or you got to go through Embiid or you got to go through Bam Adebayo. So like yeah. now you have like some of these kind of like elite bigs kind of coming back up just at the time when you were thinking that, ah, do you really need to spend that much on a big, like just True. shoot threes. And, you know, so it's like a guy like Davis Bertans who, you know, absolutely, you know, very valuable in his shot making and everything, but it makes you wonder if, you know, do you spend that kind of money on someone like him when you need some of the bigger money maybe to go get, uh, you know, a big? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I, I think Golden State really set that narrative that you don't need a big man that you can get him uh, kind of from the bargain bin. Come uh, on, Looney. Um, Oh, Mr. Australian basketball. I'm spacing on his name. Oh, what's his name? Different from a few years ago. He was their starting center. Jeez, I should know this. It's going to bug me. But, um, yeah, they, they kind of established this this idea that you don't need to have an elite center. And, like, I feel like them not being in the playoffs this year um, and then kind of the ascension of some of these elite centers, these young centers, Jokic mm-hmm. really taking that next step, Bam taking that next step. Like it's absolutely showed how valuable, and I think it's more defensively than offensively. Right. Jokic is maybe an exception, but he, he has such an elite distribution game that he kind of offsets a little bit of his defensive woes. But even him, like he was exposed a lot in the playoffs. So I think it's really high ceiling defensive centers. Um, are so, so valuable. But I don't really see, like, Montrezl Harrell's not that guy. Are there a lot of those guys in free agency? Right. Christian um, Wood, like, you know what I mean? Like Christian so- Wood will be an interesting name to see kind of what happens because he's been, you know, a really young guy that now kind of started to play really well. So, like, he's the kind of guy that, you know, could make some, you know, good money. Um, Serge Ibaka is a little bit older, but he's unrestricted. Yeah, like, he, you know, like, he'll be a name that people would want to, to pick up. Um, Bogut, that's his name. I didn't look it up. Oh, I, it I was thinking like <laughs> Pachulia, and I was like, that's not oh, right. Zaza. I could think of. No, it was a couple of years ago, but he yeah. was wearing Bogut before he got a little too old. But he, I mean, he kind of started that idea of like, he's on the elite center, and I don't know, Golden State kind of ran with that for a couple of seasons and won championships that way. But when you have Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, like you can kind of run anyone else out there, I feel like. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think another thing that is going to happen a lot with this offseason, I think you have, like, some of like some of these guys that are bigger names, you know, lots of, like, you know, player options, which I think are going to be picked up because teams are so unsure with, like, the salary cap. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we're going to see that happen quite a bit. I mean, we've already kind of heard, you know, Anthony Davis is probably going to, you know, opt out, but then just re-sign. Um, yeah. But I think that's kind of more an exception because he, like, you know, he just won a championship. Like, he just proved, like, he's worth – all the money the Lakers can throw at him. Um, But like, you know, guys, um, you know, uh, who else was I just thinking about? Oh, I was thinking like Gordon Hayward, Um, you know, like Gordon Hayward, like I I don't like, I can't see a world where he probably doesn't pick up that player option. He definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe next year, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and maybe like Boston does want to try to move in after he picks up that player option, but you know, so that someone could have an expiring going into 2021. Um, uh, A guy like DeMar DeRozan, you know, he's got a player option for like 27 and a half. Like he, he's the kind of guy, you know, that's going to pick up that player option. Um, There's a lot of these guys that 
they don't really, you know, they're, they're solid players. They, you know, both those guys are a little bit older, but with teams not really knowing, like with no one really knowing what this offseason is going to look like, I, I feel like most of those guys are going to be picking up their player options. Let me, let me run this one by you. Evan Fournier, $17 million mm. player option. Would you pick that up if you're Evan Fournier? I mean, <laughs> I think so. Right? I, I don't, I, there's not a world where he doesn't pick that up, right? Like, Andre Drummond, $28.8 million player option. Oh. I think he's picking that one up. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep, yep. Um, there's a couple of those, uh, like, no-brainers where I feel like teams' hands are tied a bit, but – Exactly. Yeah. And that, you know, that's going to be rough, you know, cause like a team like Orlando, you know, who's kind of made it to the playoffs the last couple of years, but you know, kind of just on the fringe, like that seventh or eighth seed. And like, they're not really getting better. They're just kind of staying the same and plateauing, you know, like they're the kind of team that honestly would probably like to get off of Evan Fournier so that they can go get someone different. Cause like, yeah, like he's a good player, but like they need someone who can, you know, move the needle and he doesn't really do that for them. Like he's just, I saw that. I saw a really interesting deal with Orlando. Um, I think it was a trade with Golden State to number two. Um, interesting. For LaMelo, I believe. LaMelo and Andrew Wiggins, I want to say. And maybe something else. But then they gave up Vucevic and Markel Fultz. I think wow. Markel Fultz has been a good story there. And I could see him staying one way or the other. But if they're getting LaMelo maybe that eats into those minutes. And so it's kind of a far-fetched deal, but like, that's the kind of thing. I, I don't know. I feel for Orlando fans because they're like permanently rebuilding. Even though they made the playoffs the last two years, like what are we talking about? They won one game in the first round and they get, you know, beat out the yeah. rest of the way. They lose for the last five. two years. They've done the exact same yeah, thing. Exactly. And, and so as much as I think Vucevic showed that he's really one of the better centers in the league, I think I would take a gamble on LaMelo, I feel like, in that spot. Maybe maybe you need a little bit more, but like yeah. the, the framework I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. I think he's a really interesting name, Vucevic, because the guy can really play on every single level. He's good defensively. Um, I think just all around, like he's really one of the more complete centers in the league, and he's buried a bit in Orlando. But if you threw him mm. – maybe Golden State's not the best name because they don't really run the ball through the center at all, but like – like we were just talking about in the playoffs, like these centers are so important, especially defensively. And Vucevic showed, I mean, he single-handedly like carried him through that first game against um, Milwaukee where they mm -hmm. ran Milwaukee out of the gym. And like Vucevic was by far the best player on the floor. Um, yeah. On the floor with Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So even, even for one game like that, that's impressive, you know? And mm -hmm. I think he's a name I think could get interesting if Orlando decides they need to change direction a little bit because they're still yeah. Yeah, I was honestly still shocked that last offseason that he signed that big contract with them. Like, I didn't think there was any way because, like, because of what had just happened, you know? Like, yeah. it was a team that's not really moving anywhere that isn't really getting better. And so I was I really surprised. That... Collecting a paycheck and then mm -hmm. knowing that in this league today, like, you can force your way out if you need to and you want to. And, yeah. you know, I think he wanted to give Orlando the benefit of the doubt. But I think it's one of those situations where it's just kind of inevitable, like, what are they doing to like take another massive leap? Aaron Gordon's like clearly on the trade block and he's another guy I think could be interesting. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's a lot of under the radar trade options. Like you were talking about, maybe even more important than the free agency. Right. Um, we're talking about the Chris Paul's 
and some of these names I think are impactful, but like a Vucevic could be the most impactful swap of the offseason potentially, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, and you, you kind of mentioned this name earlier, but I'm really curious. I, I think this is a guy I want to like talk about a little bit. Montrez Harrell. Um, so he's an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, anyone can have him. Um, mm. Clippers don't have, you know, they don't have first say or whatever. So is, do, do the Clippers want to bring a guy like that back? I don't think so. I mean, all the, all the, advanced metrics and statistics showed that Zubac outplayed him like pound for pound. Like the Clippers are a better team offensively and defensively real plus minus. Um, There's several stats that reflected that. And Zubac is a, you know, quality center, but he's nothing special. And so to be outplayed by Zubac that significantly over the course of like multiple series is not a good look for him. I think Montrez lost himself a lot of money. In the process, even winning the award, six man of the year, I don't. I think it was kind of more of a token of like uh, some good stretches in the regular season. I'm not a big fan. I think the Clippers are much better spending that money elsewhere. Yeah, I think he's a talented player, but he is a terrible defender, and he has no jump shot. Like I, I don't know what, what. Like if you just look at it that way, why do you want a big mm-hmm. man in 2020 in the NBA that has no jump shot? And yeah. defender, you know, and I, I think that's a great point because you know, like what we mentioned earlier, like when you think about like all of these like elite offensive bigs that you know, or just these you know, elite bigs or whatever, um, you know, a lot of them you know play great defense and everything, but I think the other side of it is like they can all hit jumpers, you know, like um, Anthony Davis, like he can hit an outside shot every time, like he rainbows that thing in so well. Um, um, his touch is unbelievable. It's unreal. Um, Bam Adebayo has got like a really nice touch, like a mid-range jumper. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but like I think he's he getting there. Yeah, um, and like he can kind of like step in, like if he can just like get like a step or two inside of the inside of the line, like he, he's got a really good touch too. Like he he's got a nice touch on it. Um, I mean Jokic obviously um, spinning turnaround three sixty like shots that he makes somehow like. Um, like a lot of these guys, um, these elite bigs that we're talking about, they all are able to shoot like that. So I think that's a great point. Like, I, I think he did cost himself some money. And granted, I think Harold, you know, he had just come back because he was partially gone during the bubble. I think he lost like a family member. Um, so, I mean, there could have been some other stuff going on. Um, but I, I do think overall that LA would probably be better off without him. I agree. I totally agree. So let me let me jump over to the draft real quick because you're yeah. talking about Montrez and I, I've seen this comparison a little bit with Onyeka, USC's big man. Mm-hmm. Okonwu. Um, he's a really interesting prospect, I think. Um, another, I mean, everyone wants to compare guys like that to Bam now. This is kind of the trendy mm-hmm. thing to do when a guy blows up yeah. the year before. You know what I mean? Like we saw with with, with Dragon Bender and Christos Porzingis. <laughs> like it's just sometimes it's more just the timing of it than anything. Yeah. I Who was know. that crazy? There was, I remember there was one, I think it was this last draft that someone got compared to Kawhi Leonard and it was like the oh. most like, do you know what I'm talking about? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was Rui Hachimura. Yeah. They compared him to Kawhi. And it was like, they're not even like the same. Like not even the same player. Forward, like not even close <laughs> to the same player, you know? And like, and the guy that's on there, was it Jalen Rose? Is that who it was? Uh, no, no. Maybe it was Jacoby or someone, but like 
his like or yeah anyways like his comparison was like Kawhi Leonard because you know he just won the title and so like, yeah. obviously you know they they wanted to compare someone to him and it's like Rui Hachimura there's no. just lazy <laughs> comparisons we see it all the oh. time but Onyeka specifically I think is really hard to comp I think it's really hard to like draw like a direct line to like this is his ceiling in the NBA but mm-hmm. everything you hear about the guy is like just all the intangibles like does everything and and more for a coach like on both ends of the floor just incredible high iq but he's, it's the same kind of thing like i think he's a good defender but he's not a seven footer he's like six nine really like plays more like a center in today's league so in that sense he's similar to montrez yeah montrez is best he's not a four montrez is like best suited as a five he's a good He's not even a great rebounder. That's, I don't like Montrez at all. But <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> the more I talk about it, I'm like, I really don't know why yeah, this guy I, is winning I, no. awards. And it's just, I don't know. But I think Onyeka is really interesting because I've seen him as high as like two or three, like two to the Warriors. Mm. And I can see him absolutely blowing up with the Warriors, the way people talk about him and the way he flashes on film sometimes. At the same time, I could see him like really struggling in the league because he doesn't have like a defined jump shot. Yeah, and he's a little bit undersized to play the center. I don't know. He's a guy that's really hard for me to gauge. What What are your yeah. thoughts on Onyeka? Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of film on him, honestly. But um, from like what I've read, it's kind of the same thing. And without, you know, it, it's it's so hard to take a guy that a, a big guy in the draft, especially that high. I mean, you know, even for us, you know, we took Aiton two years ago now. Yeah, and you know, he shot the three well. And he looks like he might now start shooting the three two years later, you know? Yeah. Um, but even with him, it's like, you know, and he was a great pick, but sometimes it's really hard to to use a draft pick on like a big guy. Cause sometimes you think that you can just get, you know, you know, someone like um Daniel Tice, you know, like, you can find a Daniel Tice in the league somewhere, sure. you know, you can find sure. an Ennis Cantor, you know, like, like a lot of these teams that just kind of pick up a big, that's just like, Hey, he can do well enough. And we're going to focus on the rest of the team. Um, Cause I, I think that's it. It can be scary to like use your pick on a big man who then in three years you hope, especially like if it's in the top five, you know, you're hoping that's becoming yeah. a franchise player. So yeah. you got to play in big money as after those three years or whatever. So it's, yeah, I, I definitely know what you're saying. I think the Okomu versus Wiseman draft position, like the grapple for who goes first is going to be really interesting because they are such mm-hmm. different centers, but both, like, I, I don't know, I think have high ceilings relative to themselves. So let me go through a couple guys that I absolutely love. Um, yeah. Get a couple of yours, and we'll go through a couple guys that we're a lot lower on that maybe have a lot higher bust potential in our yeah. in our eyes. And I feel like, you know – we're pretty good at this. We do this every year and maybe it's just um, how pragmatic we can be, but like, I feel like we're good at picking guys that aren't going to be good in the league. (laughs) I feel like myself, traditionally, I'm good at picking point guards. I was really high on Shai Gilgis Alexander. um, John Morant. John Morant. I was high on Lonzo and Lonzo's kind of been a mixed bag, but like, I feel like I can really identify point guards better than big man. Really apropos like what we're talking about right here with mm-hmm. Wiseman and Okongwu, I think they're a lot harder to project. But guard-wise, I am really, really high. Killian Hayes has been, like, my guy from the beginning. I've, I've touted that guy for months. I still think he's going to be, if not the best player in the draft, a top three guy out of this draft. Um, and he's getting a little bit more of that respect. I'm seeing him 
top six, mm-hmm. seven in a lot of these mock drafts now, sometimes as high yeah. as three, four. So, and we'll see where he ends up going, but I haven't wavered on Killian whatsoever. Uh, but a couple of guys that have really caught my eye, the more tape I've watched and the more I really dug into them are Tyrell Terry from Stanford and Tyrese yep. Maxey coming out of Kentucky. Okay. Um, Tyrell Terry, the big knock on Terry was his weight. Um, just a really fragile frame, like six foot, like a buck 35 coming into college at Stanford, which is just too small for the NBA. You know what I mean? But the guy's yeah. got the Trey Young, Steph Curry comps because of his shooting style, how deep he, his range is. And he's an absolute elite shooter. He's already shooting like 90% per, percent from the free throw line, which is a good indication of um, how well that shot's going to transfer a lot of times. Um, but uh, recent measurements have come out that he has grown a few inches. He's 6'3", and I believe it was a buck 75 or a buck 80. He's um, at 175 on right now. Yeah, which is significant. I mean, that's 30-plus pounds that he's put on since the start of his freshman year till now. Yeah. Uh, he's using his time, um, this time off, this kind of weird, you know, time in between for a lot of these draft prospects that didn't play in the tournament. And now the draft's been pushed back. And so, like, they've had this long stretch. And we're going to see guys that utilized it properly and guys that really didn't. Um, and it'll either improve or maybe worsen their stock a little bit. But I think Terry's really improved his stock. And I think he is – and he should be a top-10 pick. I think he – that shooting alone works in the league. I mean, worst case, that guy's going to be a good backup point guard in this league because yeah. of how dynamic of a shot maker and shot creator he is. Um, look at DJ Augustus, some of these small guys that like just make it in the league because yeah. even though they're a little bit undersized, he's not your five foot eleven, five ten guy undersized. Right. You know, does a lot of things well, but it's just too small for the league. I, I'm super, super high on Tyrell Terry, and I think he's getting slept on by a lot of people. And then I think Tyrese Maxey, I was higher of the Tyrese's, I was higher on Tyrese Halliburton from the onset of the draft. And the mm-hmm. dug into tape. I think I like Tyrese Maxey more than I like Halliburton. Even though Halliburton has some of the measurables. I usually have a sucker for wingspan, so Halliburton jumped off the page for me early. But I think yeah. Maxey, for lack of a better term, just kind of has the, the it factor. I know that's, like, not really measurable. But he's coming from a good program. He took the, the biggest Kentucky guy in the biggest moments for Kentucky. Um, he's a clutch sports guy, so – take that for what it's worth but he's worked out with LeBron like he just I feel like has a mentality that he is going to be an elite player in this league and he has the talent to get there and I feel like sometimes like don't overthink it that's all you need he has the talent he's shown flashes of that and if you have that work ethic and mentality like I feel like those guys just get there I look at Jamal Murray they're not the quite they're not exactly the same player but they both came out of Kentucky kind of combo guardy and I remember Jamal had some knocks on him because he wasn't a true one, wasn't a true two. But the guy, like, could just get buckets from any part, anywhere on the court. He showed flashes mm-hmm. that early. And look what he's translated that to to this point in his career. And I see Tyrese Maxey similarly. I think even if you develop that guy for a couple of years, he is just going to work until he gets to that point. And too many GMs are going to overthink it and, and try to, I don't know, put guys with certain measurables a Denny Edvia kind of thing. Like I would way rather have Tyrese Maxey than Denny, but I don't know. A lot of people would disagree it's, with me on that. Yeah. So like interesting you bring that up. So I was going to, so you name two guys that you love. I'm going to name a guy that I don't love. Sure. And that's, and that's Denny. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, I see him going as high. Like, like I look at some things that are saying like, he could be like, you know, top three, you know, like even though yeah. we're like LaMelo or something. And I like, I, and maybe part of it is, you know, like I've just had such a, we, we had such awful luck with Dragon Bender, you know, another wing. Like Kabi man. Yeah. Um, but like this guy, like, I just don't know. He yeah. is a guy that um, like looking up some of like his stats or whatever, like he scored seven, eight points a game. Um, is shooting 33% from the three point line. Yeah. 52% from the free throw line. That's a huge like, red flag. That's the biggest red flag to me. That to me is like how, and especially like, how can you go get a wing in like in this day and age? Like, and like Grant, like his bit, like, his biggest thing has been like his playmaking, you know, like that he's a high IQ player and passes great. It's like, okay, that's great. But I don't feel like that's what you want in like your wing, you know, like if he shot really well and then had those things, man, like he is going to be, you know, he's going to be great, you know? Um, But I mean, he's not even shooting 35% from three and that free throw percentage being at 52%. Like that is a major red flag to me. So well, like I think that's exactly why I'm so high on guys like Tyrell Terry, because you fall back yeah. worst case on shooting in today's league. And yep. you can't when you can't fall back on that with guys, like look at Josh Jackson. The guy wasn't a good shooter coming out of college and it was like, Oh, he has all these other intangibles, he'll he'll work on that, like he's only gonna improve in that area. If you can't fall back on that skill, it's really hard to draft guys that high. I don't know second round or like late first like sure take a flyer on someone and see if you can't work out that part of their game because prospects do it but top we're talking top 10 potentially top five now yeah. i had a conversation with um a guy that's pretty plugged in with um that basketball scene about okay. denny and i you know was worried that he um shows similar flashes to to dragon bender at this point in their careers and i will say he's a lot further along than bender was coming out of the draft yeah and he, he played his last couple games to give him some credit. Um, Cause I'm on the same page with you. Like he is far from, you know, one of my favorite prospects. Like I think he really, he should be slotted in the teens. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a top 10 guy, but he has potential. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. That free throw percentage is so worrisome in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause like you always hear guys, it's like, Hey, like, you know, even if their three point percentage shooting, isn't like great, you know, cause like 33, it's like, it's not great, but it's not terrible, you know, yeah. but like, if he was shooting, you know, you know, 80%, maybe even 70% from the free throw line, it's like, okay, but he's got the form, like, he'll get there. But, like, oh, like, that is just – Well, and to, you know, bring up, to bring up Josh Jackson again, Josh Jackson and Tatum, when they were coming out, were really neck and neck. A lot of people had mm-hmm. Jackson above Tatum. I know we, both of us, Phoenix fans, like, really, really wanted Boston to take Jackson because we wanted Tatum. Now, yeah. both Jackson and Tatum shot, I think, 36 or 37% from three. And so it's like, well, they're comparable shooters, like, but one's going to give you better defense than Josh Jackson. But he broke down their free throw percentage. Jackson was shooting like 50-something percent or maybe 60, and Tatum was like an 85% free throw shooter. And that's yeah. such a good indication. Like, that's a number that I don't think a ton of people look at. I think more and more people are looking at it. But mm-hmm. that's why when I see a free throw percentage in the 50s, for especially someone that's not a big man, that's a huge red flag. Like, stay away. Yeah. Those three-point percentages – especially when you're not playing huge minutes, like Denny hasn't been. He has been a little more lately, but, you know, earlier in the season wasn't. Those can be really misleading, I think, so. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my guy that I, I, you know, one of more of my 
guys I think people should be putting lower, just like you said, you know, like lower teens, you know, because, you know, and, and for a team that's like, you know, like, like maybe like late lottery, but like even if not, like, you know, like he'd, you know, be great on like a playoff team or something, you know? Yeah. Um, but what I do think is, um, but one guy that I do like that I've started looking into more and um, watching a lot about is Devin Vassell. Um, I've been a really big fan of, of his game. And especially because like uh, I, through watching a lot of these series, like I, I felt like to me, one of the, my biggest like takeaways from like, the series was I loved watching like Boston play and like their, their wing lineup of just being yeah. able to go, you know, even at times, you know, Kemba and then smart Brown and Tatum, like, it was just kind of like, hey, we're just going to, you know, play our best five and those are our best five guys and we're just going to, you know, we're going to stretch the floor and we're going to defend really well. And I think that those are like the two biggest things for Devin is that he is such a good defender. Um, like some, you know, some are saying like, oh, he could be the best defender, like, you know, in the class or whatever. Like he, he's supposed to be very good. He's got like a 6'10 wingspan. So, and he's only 6'7", you know, so he adds a few there. It's usually like 42% from three. Um, so he's a name that, as I've watched, I have really, really been interested in because I think that he's going to be a really awesome name. And I think he could – he's a guy that I think could maybe even creep up a little bit. Right now he's kind of in like that 10 to 12-ish area. But I, Yeah, I think and he's, he's already starting to creep up on some people's boards, to your credit. Yeah. Because I, I agree. I think he's, he's a stud. He's everything you want out of a modern 3-and-D type player. Um, outside of that little Twitter video that came out earlier this week, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I didn't see it. No, they were calling him like the human trebuchet. It, it was like, what'd oh. you do to your form? I know Kevin O'Connor commented on it. It was like, oh, why, yeah, yeah, why yeah. change your form? Like it looks so good at Florida state. And it was just a short video. You can never put too much stock in him, but he was yeah. hurling it like way up above his head. And mm-hmm. I don't know. so you never know if it was taken out of context, but um, I think the tape we have from his college season, like shows everything that you need. Like he's, he's an elite shooter. Um, and he's a guy that you can switch on the multiple positions. Like you said, Boston has several of those guys and they are so valuable in the league. If you're a team, I don't know where kind of the Knicks are, for example, I think the Knicks will like try to swing on a guy trade up for like a Lamello cause they need to, they're trying to get a star or maybe take a, um, Cole Anthony um, out of Carolina because he's from the New York area. There's a lot of buzz and like they'll go Cole Anthony because he's kind of got like that uh, standalone like star point guard potential ceiling, but a super low floor as well. Like don't overthink it. Just take a guy like Vassal. He's not going to fail. In best case, look at Michael Bridges. Like if you develop into an all NBA type defender and then if Vassell like starts to add to his game and to be able to shoot off the dribble, the guy could be, you know, an incredibly valuable player so no I agree what are your thoughts about um so another guy on the list that I've been starting to look into a little bit but you know trying to like figure out like what my thoughts are on him is a guy like uh Kira Lewis Jr um he is someone yeah. that like reminds so he, he so he he's you know played in Bama um, yeah. and like his thing is like you know let us you know like he's quick he hustles like he He's like just like super fast. I feel like we've seen wasn't Colin Sexton in Alabama. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like I I feel like 
I like like I watch him sometimes, and I feel like I'm watching him. And like sometimes I look at him, and then it's like, could you see a little bit of like a deer and fox in him, where like he is really quick, like foxes, but you know, still plays like a little bit differently. So like, I I was. I agree. Kieran Lewis been, is really tough to project for me. I I think, yeah. and I, I chatted with someone. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter the other day. Um, he's a beat writer. Um, kind of how he sees because he's really high on Kieran Lewis. So I was asking him, how do you see Kieran Lewis differently from um, guys like Tyrell Terry or Tyrese Maxey or even Killian Hayes? Maybe not Killian as much, but he, he was just yeah. saying he's more of a complete player. And I think that's a safe answer. I'm looking for like elite skills. And I think the one elite skill you could get Kier Lewis is maybe his speed. And if he can develop into a De'Aaron Fox type player, then like he'll make me look stupid for taking guys like maybe Tyrell Terry or Tyrese Maxey over sure. him. But I just, I don't know. I'd rather have like one elite skill than two or three like mediocre skills. There's a lot of yeah. guards in the NBA that can do several things well, but nothing great. And that's my worry with Kier Lewis is like, is he really does he really have that high of a ceiling? And I mean, if you're drafting a guy in the teens in this year's draft, maybe like you're totally content with that. I would just prefer mm-hmm. to go for guys that have slightly higher ceilings. And I just yeah. don't see Kier Lewis's ceiling as high as some of these other guards. Cause it's a really guard heavy yeah. draft. It is for sure. Yeah. And like, and but to your point, like I remember like thinking about like Tyler hero and kind of looking at him and looking at him and saying, like, Oh, he's like, you know, he's a great shooter. And then like, yeah. you know, he does like, because if you're if you're like elite or really good in that one thing, then when you do develop some of those other aspects, like you become that much more valuable. For sure. Um, and you know, For and sure. now look at you know the way that we looked at Tyler Hero at the you know when he got drafted to now. I mean, you know, night and day difference. Absolutely. But he has you know really shown that he can do a lot. Like obviously, like he still has some room to improve. Like he needs to improve on his defense and even just like his you know like playmaking or on ball. Um, so it's been really interesting to kind of think about that and like look back at players. Um, so maybe there's, you know, to kind of wrap up, um, maybe is there a name maybe from like last year's draft as someone that you could compare to this year that like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like someone mm-hmm. last year who maybe didn't go as high, but is now like, we kind of have a better, I like, we actually kind of like them a little bit better than we did. Well, like, I think you nailed it with Tyler Hero. And, like, we see guys consistently, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, guys that go in that 13 to 15 range, 10 yeah. to 15, Shai Gilch, Alexander, that become stars every year. And I think this year is no yep. different. Like, there's – I'd just as well draft 10, 12 as I would 6, 7, I feel like. Uh, I feel like the talent drop-off isn't huge. And I don't know. I, I think you're talking about Hero. I, I mean, I'll stick to my names. I think Tyrese Maxey's – the biggest do you think he's that kind of guy that's going to go in that maybe early like early like 10 to 13 that could be yeah. that guy like i i'd have to look at exactly who's drafting where but say a, a good team like boston drafts like 14 every other year because they have all these picks and players or from different teams yeah. you know over the years so if there's like a playoff team that's drafting around 13 14 and they take tyrese maxi i'll say this i wouldn't be surprised if the guy is flashing in the playoffs next year. And it's like, how did this guy drop out of the top 10? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. So your guys, your guys, Maxi, I like it, dude. I love it. I think I take Terry over Maxi, but that's more just Terry over. That's just stylistic preference. Like honestly, Maxi might be a better player and I take Killian over all of them, but Killian's going to be a lot higher. So yeah, we'll dig more into that and we'll, we'll do like, we'll dive into our big boards here in the next couple of weeks. It's drafts getting a little bit closer, but for it was sure. fun just to kind of 
shoot off some some love hates early in the draft process. And man, it's exciting to have the offseason coming up. It's all going to hit us like oh, a whirlwind. I know. Um, and I, so November 18th is the official draft date. So before then, we'll definitely do a big like we'll probably spend like two episodes like dissecting the draft, you know, maybe one will be, you know, we just go into names. The next one, we kind of go into teams and then kind of mix and match a little bit. Um, um, And then I think there's like a tentative. I think I read that the the tentative date right now for the NBA restart is January 18th. Did you, is that right? I Um, I know it's kind of like you said, tentative and it's been kind of all over the place. So I'm not exactly sure, but yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, so super excited for the draft. It's going to be super fun. And then we'll, we'll see when, you know, and that's the other hard part about this too, is like, you know, these teams are going to be drafting guys when they don't even know when they can start looking at other players, you know? Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> really weird to see if there will be even be an off, you know, when the offseason will even start in comparison to the draft. So. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get another podcast out here in the next week or so. Um, probably pretty draft heavy and then right after the draft you got free agency and trades are going to start rolling down the pipeline so a lot more content coming up soon talk to you guys soon